Hello, and welcome to the Graphics Profiles, the official podcast of Graphics Pro and Graphics Pro Expo, covering the graphics market online, in print, and in person. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson. Our guest for episode 45 is David Topkins, president of Gotham City Online in Austin, Texas. Well, as the name implies, Gotham City actually started in New York City, but has since found a great home in Austin, providing licensed and custom graphics products from t-shirts to posters. Before we talk to David about the company's growth and evolution, as well as the challenges of licensing and selling online, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Epson. In the printing industry, you gotta check out the Epson SureColor S6600, one of Epson's most productive signage printers. This 64-inch roll-to-roll signage printer offers production-quality print speeds of up to 550 square feet per hour. It can print, laminate, and deliver the same day. The SureColor S60 was purpose-built with an automated printer maintenance system to boost productivity and minimize manual maintenance. Schedule a virtual demo and request a print sample from one of our certified solution centers at www.epson.com signage. And I'm here with David Topkins of Gotham City Online. Well, hello, David. It's uh, great to have you on board today. And, uh, you know, we want to talk about Gotham City Online and your, I, I guess I would call them divisions of Gotham City Online. That would be Poster Foundry, uh, Pop Threads, and Custom for Good. Is that correct? That is correct. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. So it's, I think a good place to start is kind of what, how would you describe what Gotham City is and what it does? Uh, well, we kind of a direct-to-consumer retailer historically. We sell mm-hmm. pop culture and educational products, uh, T-shirts, posters, calendars, coffee mugs, um, kind of our main product lines. And, and the business has evolved over time. You know, we started 20 years ago when we were purchasing finished goods manufacturers and distributors. Um, but over the years, we've invested in the processes and the equipment to do our own printing and manufacturing. So now we're really self-contained, uh, the manufacturing, printing, and fulfillment side. Okay, gotcha. So y- y'all would get um, the finished goods from manufacturers or distributors. And then you, so you decided to kind of bring all that in-house. What was kind of the impetus for that decision? Um, the... Pandemic was part of it, although these plans were put in place prior to that. Uh, the, you know, I would say it's a number of factors trying to lower carbon footprint, trying to, you know, consumers always want things faster these days. They've been, you know, seasoned to that. And uh, so by you know, having production within our control, we can really control our supply chain a lot more and deliver products more quickly. Um, and develop products a little bit more quickly, uh, and and also offer some personalization and customization services uh, that allow customers to have a more unique product. So it really was a variety of factors. Okay, and you know Gotham City Online has actually been around for a long time, as I understand it, starting in uh, New York City in 1999. Um, can you kind of give me a, a kind of a brief overview of what that path looks like for Gotham City from? that beginning in 1999 in New York City to where you are now in Austin, Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we joke that we started in the last millennium. Um, and the business was started um, as it was kind of groundbreaking at the time to sell things direct to consumers online. eBay was 
kind of maturing, but still a young company. And um, this was a big, it was a passion project that obviously turned into a business where we were looking for a you know direct to consumer model of commerce that you know in New York City you have this huge overhead uh, allowed us to get into that business without investing in stores. So we had a warehouse. It was uh, economical for what it was. And uh, originally we were selling mostly used merchandise uh, on eBay, um, which gave us the opportunity to experience lots of different product types, um, clothing uh, to electronics, to collectibles, to housewares, to toys. Uh, And that allowed us to develop the systems um, that we needed in order to track this product and monitor it, list it for sale. Uh, so uh, the that was the genesis of the business. And then, as you can imagine, scaling a business based on used merchandise is, is, is unpredictable. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a bit of feast or famine. And so we evolved the business into newer merchandise over time. And that's uh, where we are today, continuing to evolve it. So you were selling used merchandise essentially all types of merchandise. And now you've narrowed that down to a, what I would call personalized printing t-shirts, mugs, you know, as we discussed. And so what kind of led to that focus? Yeah, that's an, it's an interesting evolution. Uh, and I guess all companies have them. And certainly when you're in the direct to consumer space or online retail, you know, things are changing all around you. Uh, the, the evolution from used to new merchandise put us in touch with people who are selling really branded or licensed goods. Um, it might be a t-shirt with a Marvel character on it. And as we got in as a, initially as a middleman buying from wholesalers distributors, we realized that, you know, products are really just being made in China and shipped to us. And it was a very convoluted supply chain that we felt was inefficient. Um, economical certainly for the people producing goods. But on our end of the equation, we felt like there was a lot of things that we could do to improve upon that. So we got into printing and licensing um, and built the systems and the programs we needed to do that, It took, which took years. Uh, and more recently, as you noted, we, we've gotten into custom uh, printing and personalization and really uh, contract printing that will we allow other people to work with us to use their designs through our network. Uh, which is a new and growing part of our business. Okay. Um, so tell me about the uh, the print production equipment that y'all are using um, now. Um, as I understand it, you have DTG and you have wide format printers as well for the poster side and sublimation. Is that correct? That is correct. We have a variety of printing technologies uh, and some are iterations of an existing where uh, you know, there's a different type of wide format printer for different applications, but those are the general technologies. And uh, we work with different manufacturers. Um, I don't know if you mentioned we have the digital print presses as well. So a wide format would be a paper usually on a roll that is printed uh, with aqueous uh, or solvent inks, whereas the digital presses that make smaller posters or greeting cards or calendars um, are kind of big electronics machines, some of them are 30 feet long plus that we have uh, that actually can produce a finished good, um, it, which is a big investment, but it's a, in a finished product that's, you know, great. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, Epson. Epson's 64-inch SureColor S8600 roll-to-roll solvent printer has amazing print quality. 
featuring Epson's Ultra Chrome GS3 nine color solvent ink, including orange and red, the SureColor S80 delivers up to 98% Pantone coverage and has the option to switch between white or metallic silver inks. Combine that with the new Precision Media Feeding System in a high-performance dual-array Precision Core TFP printhead. The SureColor S80 is an incredibly productive and reliable signage printer. Learn more about the full line of Epson signage printers or request a virtual demo at www.epson.com signage. And we're back with David Topkins of Gotham City Online. Primarily, your business is driven by your licensed images. Um, so what's your best advice regarding licensing images? You know, that's a tough one. Um, you know, licensing is a, it's a, certainly an investment uh, of time and resources. Really, by its very nature, the, the a license is an extension of someone else's brand. So the brand owners or licensors are very selective. Uh, they want to make sure that whoever that they're working with to put their images or name on a product achieve their levels of uh, sophistication and quality and, and in an inconsistent way. Uh, so, you know, we've been working on licensing for years now. Uh, it's a our portfolio of well, 50 licenses uh, now slowly growing and we work closely with our, our licensing partners to add value and to have a good relationship. Um, I guess I would also mention that um, if you are trying to get into licensing, the important thing to do is really differentiate yourself. You, you know, you've got to find a way to stand out from the masses because if, if you're simply making a t-shirt and you want to sell a licensed t-shirt, it's probably a long list of people who are in front of you. And most licensors, certainly the reputable ones, prefer not to oversaturate the market with the same product. So they're going to be looking for differentiation in those products. So you, you want to come to them with something unique. Uh, it, it could be a novel approach to making t-shirts. I know that years ago I saw a shirt where, you know, some sort of a dinosaur shirt where you turned it inside out, the dinosaur was there, it was on your face as you pulled the shirt over your head. Oh, that's my, something that a, a licensor might say, you know what, we don't have something like that in the market and, and to prove you for that. Okay. Yeah, sure. So uh, what types of uh, licensed products and designs are currently popular? What seems to be kind of moving off the shelf, so to speak? And are, are there others that maybe are, are not so much today? That's a great question because there's the there's a downside to licensing, uh, and and that things can lose popularity. Um, you know, the you, people used to joke about the baseball players being traded uh, being a problem if you're making posters uh, with the old player, and then you're stuck with them. So right. you know, for for us, we we try to be lean and efficient, which is one of the reasons making your products in house is an advantage if you're in, in the licensing world. Um, we we try to track pop culture pretty closely. Um, we've had success with a lot of emerging artists, musical artists, um, and, and that's a space that we've invested in. Uh, of course, you know when you become a victim of your own success and things do go well when you're up for renewal, then you're expected to write a bigger check. And, you know, there is always a risk that an artist is going to 
pivot what they're doing or change their hairstyle or their look. And, and all of a sudden, the products that you've created don't reflect what the market wants and, and, and you're stuck with them. So, you know, there, there's pros and cons to how you develop your product. Uh, and as I noted, we, we've invested in the, the music space and had some success there. Uh, which we're enjoying. And, and we also develop our own products. Uh, the advantage to that is you're not paying a license. As long as you respect other people's intellectual property, uh, then tracking what's happening, you know, in social media or memes or the political environment are, are surprisingly useful ways to connect with consumers who are looking to maybe put something on their, on their body as a shirt or on their wall as a poster. What have you found are the most effective ways to get the word out about what you offer? The most effective way to connect is by delivering a consistent product and, and getting either reviews for your product or word of mouth. I, I don't know that there's a secret sauce these days. And there's there's <laughs> yeah. so many competing companies for really for anything that you do. And, and it's and it's really become, you know, international competition. Uh, much more so in, in the online world that, that we focus on, where you, right. you have manufacturing operations um, just over the border in Mexico that are printing and delivering um, uh, in a comparable time frame to people based in the States. So uh, for us, we just try to do things the old-fashioned way. You know, We're not writing Google massive checks to try to buy our way in. We, it's more of a slow and steady approach. Uh, and then using social media uh, to, to communicate and connect with, with fans uh, or customers when, when you can. And also that there's a lot of traffic and noise in that space as well. But it, it's really right. you just kind of have to hit all the different mediums and channels and, and hope that you gain enough traction to move, move things forward. Have you found that some platforms are more effective for you than others, particularly on the social media side? Because again, like you said... There's a lot of noise out there, a lot of different platforms that you can go with. Have you have you found that some are more effective than others? We have. You know, we're historically, we've probably underinvested in the social media space uh, where our focus has really been on integration into the platforms where the shoppers already are, like a Walmart or Amazon or eBay, et cetera. But the... Social platforms are a useful way. If you're talking about a licensed product, you know, one useful tool is to connect with fan groups that might resonate with the product you've made uh, and, and see if you can, you know, have an entree there. Uh, you know, frequently they'll call you out for soliciting. So, you know, be mindful <laughs> of that. But right. if, if it can be done in a, in a respectful way, then it generally can be well received. Okay. Well, that's a good point. Um, so what are the most important lessons that you've learned to improve your business? I would say the most important lesson is to not get complacent. You know, I think every, every company is different. Um, but if you're working with printing products that relate to pop culture and you, and you don't have a, a fortress around your business through patents or trademarks or a, a, a brand like like Disney, uh, then you're susceptible to competition on, on a variety of levels. And so it really is um, a balance between playing, playing offensive defense. And, and what I mean by that is making the investments to push the business forward and grow. And at the same time, 
not over-investing and not over-inspending and, and being mindful where things might not be working so that you can pivot quickly and learn from those and try to revisit those opportunities in a new way uh, if, if you felt like the first time you didn't quite get it right. So I would say that's more business strategy. And there's a parallel on, on the hardware and the system side is to be evaluating new technologies and softwares to see where there's a fit. The challenge there is as your business grows, integrating or making a change into new technology or new systems is a heavier and heavier lift. And that just requires more resources uh, to get through. Um, which means you need to be more certain that there will be an ROI in doing that. Okay. And so related to that, what are the biggest mistakes you've learned from? Well, fortunately, we've not made massive mistakes in our business. Uh, <laughs> That's we, good. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have a collaborative approach to decision-making. We, we like to look at the data. We try not to go with our gut. Uh, and, you know, I would say that some of the biggest mistakes I touched on earlier were having, you know, assuming that a, a product that was selling um, would sell forever. And uh, we were involved with Game of Thrones at one point. Um, yeah. And the final episode was disappointing to a lot of fans. And right. that had a pretty immediate impact on sales uh, and not not a positive impact. So, you know, in retrospect, you, you know, you, we didn't make an allowance for that. Of course, it's difficult to assume that, you know, sales won't continue to grow. So just try to determine where you might have exposure. And if an aspect of your business did go sideways, you know, wh- how would you recover from that uh, and, and not have it be too negatively impactful to the business? Right. So that's why it's good to have a lot of different products that you can print to, Right. Yeah, the, the, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to the diversification. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got the more products you're making, the more types of equipment you have, the more things you're maintaining. And yeah. you know, if you're if you're doing framing and you run out of a certain type of staple that you need to put frames together, then that might shut down your entire framing operation. Which, in this supply chain environment, is much more of an issue than it used to be. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, you add complication, you add opportunity. But you just have to stay stay sharp and, and not let your guard down. Uh, how are y'all working around those supply chain issues? Well, we've we found that the the ultimate solution to the supply chain issues is to supply more. Uh, it, it's not a, an elegant solution per se, but you know if you're making your own products, then you have the advantage that the supplies that you're buying tend to be things that you can apply to numerous products. So if you're buying ink and paper. That you're then going to print, that gives you a lot more flexibility than by importing uh, finished goods that are printed overseas. Uh, right. So, so we already have some resilience in our model against the supply chain, and then it's just working with our vendors and our partners to make sure that if they see an issue, we're aware of that issue and we can react to it before it becomes a problem for our business. And if if it's a problem that can't be addressed, then that might mean changing. Uh, the technology you're using to make a product or temporarily discontinue your product if, if you don't have any other options. Right. Can you kind of give me uh, just a glimpse into maybe what the future holds for Gotham City Online? Sure. Our, our future, we want to continue doing what we've been doing, uh, focus on domestic manufacturing, uh, You know, low, lowering our, our carbon footprint 
uh, where we can. Um, we're working with a lot of our manufacturers and partners now, our vendors, uh, to purchase things in bulk by the pallet or in packaging or containers that uh, use less material. So that that's something that we just feel good about doing. Um, in terms of driving the business, uh, we're, we're trying to figure out what products consumers want and uh, how to deliver those products to them. Um, you know, a big part of our initiative is to have some consistency on, on, you know, an annual basis. And, you know, a lot of companies like ourselves tend to be very busy in Q4 uh, for holiday, but much less busy in Q2. So what things can we do to fill that channel? And that's one of the reasons that Custom for Good came about is that we, we have the infrastructure here to print products like a, a, a custom ink does, but we've not historically opened our systems up to processes up to, to do that for other companies. And, and now we are because it allows us to actually balance out our uh, production schedule a little bit. And, and actually by bringing on that type of work makes our lives a little bit easier and more predictable, uh, ironically. Can you tell me just a little bit more about Custom for Good? This website is up, right, and is in motion and selling. Is that correct? Yeah, it was recently launched. It's it's still in a bit of beta from a a website standpoint, but on the on the on the business end, we are absolutely doing printing jobs for companies. We print a lot of T-shirts. We've got Epson's uh, latest generation direct to garment printers here, which allow for amazing. Full full gamut color reproduction, uh, so you can upload you know, or share any design with us, and, and we can print it. It allows us to print smaller quantities, and, and that's really uh, as we're launching this is our focus is to help the smaller companies or the schools or the nonprofits that are historically being quoted fairly high prices by our thinking of uh, even fifteen to twenty dollars a T-shirt to print mm-hmm. ten or twenty shirts. To, to cut yeah. that number almost in half in many situations and say, you know what, we're, we're going to work on a, a thinner margin and support our community by, you know, through this endeavor. So it is for us uh, a bit of a passion project, although it, it's really, uh, you know, something that we believe is, is a viable business model and, and hopefully will keep other companies on their toes and, and make printing more economical for, for other companies. So we, we print mugs, we print t-shirts, we print posters, calendars have become very popular uh, and, and we're adding more products over time. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, it sounds exciting. So many different things that y'all are doing and moving forward in the future. And I appreciate you sharing that with us and sharing your time and your expertise. Thank you so much, David. Oh, I appreciate you having me. Thank you for your questions. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you again at some point. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thanks again to our guest, David Topkins, and to our sponsor, Epson. Look for Gotham City Online at gothamcityonline.com and Epson at epson.com forward slash signage. If you're looking for perspectives, education tips, tricks, news, videos, and more, all focused on your business and connecting you to experts in the field, your peers, suppliers, and manufacturers, go to graphics-pro.com. And for convenient regional events catering to graphics professionals across America, check out graphics-pro-expo.com. You can find this podcast at your favorite platform, whether it's Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. You can also browse the archives at graphics-pro.com. Well, thanks for listening, and until next time, adios amigos.